aggressively during the day. And the temperature now is 12 degrees. The humidity is at 78%. The news from RTHK. Hello, this is Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work. And I'm uh, Rainbow Learn. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> before we get into it today, we're going to be talking about tourism, but I just want to have a shout-out to uh, Brood at the Carnival last night. Uh, RTHK put on a, a live show down at the Carnival in Central, and it was absolutely spectacular. Uh, Paul Roth was great. Charisse, local singer, just blew me away. And uh, Loose Agenda, my all-time favorite plate. And uh, Back Chatters, if you want to tune in on Monday at around a little bit after 1 o'clock, you'll be able to hear that because they recorded it just for you guys. So, Oh, excellent. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, you know, and hopefully things like that will help to bring people into Hong Kong. And today we're talking about tourism and specifically Lunar New Year tourism projections. The Immigration Department said it expects over 7.5 million people to go in and out of Hong Kong throughout the holiday period. That includes 1 million tourists from the mainland that are expected to visit the territory, uh, which will get us to about 85% of pre-pandemic levels. And visitors and locals will be treated to a display of extravaganza, including a Chinese New Year parade in Tim Sacho and a 23-minute firework display on Sunday. Which I guess we can go see too. After 9.45, we're going to be looking at how public hospitals are planning to deal with a surge in demand over the holidays. And we want to know what you think. Do call us anytime at 233 233- 88266. That's 233-88266 to join the conversation. Uh, you can also send us a message on WhatsApp at 6899-8518. And you can comment on our Facebook page or email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Joining us today, we welcome Samuel Ung, the Director of Operations for the Travel Industry Authority on the line today. Uh, good morning, Samuel. Hello. Good morning, Andrew. And good morning, Rainbow. Hello. Hey, great to have you on. Uh, so what is going down for the Chinese New Year season? Is the city going to be flooded with tourists all up in our face or is it going to be quiet? Or, I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you projecting based on inbound bookings? Yeah, well, for, for this uh, year's Chinese New Year, actually, it's pretty good. In, in terms of tour groups, I'm, I'm not talking about the, uh, the, the, you know, the general tourists. In terms of tour, uh, there's an eight-day official holiday uh, on the mainland, starting from the 10th uh, of February to the 17th. So during these eight days, um, we actually did a survey uh, with the major licensed travel agents um, who, who, who are responsible for mainland inbound tour groups. And um, we were expecting some um, 1,500 tour groups with uh, approximately 63,000 tourists visiting Hong Kong during the eight day, um, averaging some uh, 190 tour groups per day, uh, just just to give you a bit of a context, uh, so this is comparable to the average of around 175 uh, during the same period in 2019. That's uh, the, the you know the pre-COVID um, Chinese New Year. So more. Yeah. So uh, we we observe a slight increase uh, this year actually. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean that's our projection. Yeah. And how does that compare to 2018 pre-COVID? Are we back uh, to normal? 20- yet uh, no i i wouldn't say it's back to normal so 2018 the, the figures is about the same as 2019 mm. because normally uh traditionally the chinese new year period uh wouldn't be too busy uh in terms of two groups visiting hong kong but it's you know more for the um the uh, singleton so to speak uh, who come uh, who who travel to hong kong by themselves yeah Gotcha. And so, so as these people come in, are they behaving like they used to before COVID? I mean, the, kind of the word on the street is that uh, people are coming on the cheap. And they're not coming and splashing out money like they used to. Um, not really. I mean, the spending pattern is somewhat similar 
uh, to the pre-COVID times. Um, uh, maybe I break this down for you a little. Um, uh, generally speaking, there are mainly two categories uh, of, you know, tour groups visiting Hong Kong from the mainland. There are those coming in for sightseeing only. Uh, they would go to, you know, uh, tourist attractions uh, like the Peak, uh, the Golden Bohemia Square in Wan Chai, and also uh, the Avenue of Sars in Chim Sa Chui. Um, obviously, they would go, you know, shop around uh, themselves. And then the other category would be those who are coming in for sightseeing and with some uh, prearranged uh, shopping activities. Um, for these groups, they would go to various uh, shopping arcades, mainly located in the Chim Sa Chui and also the Kowloon City areas. And the three main categories for their shopping activities would be um, uh, jewelries, watches, and some general goods like supplements, lotions, chocolates, etc. Um, really? Uh, compar- yeah, I mean, because yeah, compar- that, that was the old thing, but now all we hear about is like, oh, how to, how to come to Hong Kong on the cheap and not have to spend money on a hotel. Or like they're buying McDonald's and then going up to McDonald Road and taking a picture with it under the sign. <laughs> That's a thing. I mean, we hear about all these kind of cheap, cheap things. Um, yeah, but, you know, as opposed to lining up outside Gucci or whatever they used to do. I mean, but you're, you're saying that they're actually spending money again? Yes, they are. I mean, in terms of two groups, their spending pattern is similar to the pre-COVID era. Um, but, you know, what they're buying, the, the shop they're frequenting, is about the same. But when you talk about, you know, people lining up outside Gucci, normally those are not the uh, mainland inbound tour groups. So we're, so there's, the, you know, the difference between you coming into Hong Kong by yourself mm-hmm. or, and you joining a, a, a travel agent and then traveling to Hong Kong. So two different types of uh, visitors. For the tour groups visiting, they, uh, you know, they, they basically follow the same pattern. They're organized by, uh, you know, activities are more or less the same. The places they go to are more or less the same. The spending patterns are more or less the same, yeah. It sounds very controlled. So the shopping, on the shopping aspect, it sounds like they're going to pre-designated places. Do, they, do, do these tours give the, those tourists freedom to, you know, to, to walk around Hong Kong and to other shops yeah most definitely um i mean uh control in the sense that you know if um if on their itinerary there's um pre-arranged shopping activities then they would have to go to the shops registered under the um uh this authority's uh, administrative scheme so by you know by virtue of the travel industry ordinance so the shop operators will have to sign uh an undertaking with conditions such as, you know, providing a six-month uh, full refund for items bought from their shops. Um, you know, these are enhanced, enhanced measures uh, to protect tourists and consumers uh, visiting Hong Kong. Um, of course, they have their own free time. You know, normally they would follow their own uh, uh, the itinerary arranged by the uh, travel agents. So they would, you know, go to sightseeing places. They would go to prearranged uh, uh, shopping activities at certain shops. But then they have their free time as well. Uh, to shop around Hong Kong. Yeah. And also, I, I'm quite interested in understanding these tour groups, the 1,500 tour groups you're referring to, do they stay in Hong Kong or are these just day tours? Um, well, we see an increasing uh, amount of one-day tour uh, recently, um, but then the majority is still uh, staying here for two days. Mm. So based on, based on the 2023's uh, figures, uh, the majority of the tour groups um, about 59% would spend two days in Hong Kong. Um, a smaller portion, about 26%, would be coming in for a one-day tour, which, which seems to be becoming more popular nowadays, uh, especially when the hotel prices were on the high side. 
Um, there were also the tour groups spending three or four days in Hong Kong, but substantially less than those uh, spending one or two days. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting bussed around, um, are, are these two-day tours, are they overnighting in Hong Kong, or are they going back to Shenzhen where the hotels are cheaper? Cause, well, they, they, would, they would stay in Hong Kong. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because that runs a little bit contrary to what we've been hearing Previously, is that everybody's staying in Shenzhen because it's like, you know, less than half the price, this kind of thing. Um, So you're you're saying that maybe is is that because hotel prices in Hong Kong have come down now in response to that? Are they are they kind of accepting that they're competing with Shenzhen? For the for the periods, um, you know, like uh, the high season, obviously, would be the say the summer holidays, Christmas, you know, uh, for Mm -hmm. the hotel prices. So so all the other months, you know, upcoming uh, March, April. Or maybe in um, uh, you know post uh, uh, golden week in October, uh, then you would see an increase of uh, mainland inbound tour groups because the hotel prices were relatively lower uh, at that time. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a there's been an article uh, in the news in Hong Kong, and strangely enough, the same sort of story in Singapore, um, where universities are being uh, <laughs> being big are unwelcome hosts to large number of tour groups that are coming in. Uh, somehow, you know, it pops up on a website, a tourism website in China, and they're like, oh, you got to go to Hong Kong University because they got this great place to do your photos. And the next thing you know, the tour buses are pulling up, students are complaining. Um, NTU University in Singapore said they will charge tour operators uh, to come and to coordinate their visits because they were causing so much disruption. And there's a piece in the standard today um, on the, on page two about this, you know, Hong Kong university students are complaining. Um, I mean, what, what is this phenomena where a place all of a sudden becomes a hotspot? Is it because the, uh, is it because the travel operators find out about it? So they add it to their itinerary, <laughs> their itinerary to mix it up a little bit, or are the tour, are the people on the tour asking for it? Yeah, I think there are, you know, the increasing trend of a school tour, you know, they, uh, you know, people from overseas or from mainland would be coming into Hong Kong, uh, looking at different, and Singapore, obviously, and then other places as well, you know, looking at different schools. Um, that, uh, I mean, yeah, in terms of visiting the, the schools, um, as long as they go to the public places, then it's no problem. Uh, and then as long as it's on their itinerary, then that's no problem at, at all. But the thing is, the traffic situation, you know, we have had... Um, uh, several meetings with coaches, associations, um, companies, representatives, uh, together even with the police, uh, licensed travel agents, um, with a view to coming up with traffic solutions uh, at various locations where tour groups would frequent. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, these few weeks, I think that schools is one of the uh, uh, pre- predominant places. The response was good so far, and along the direction we all wanted to rectify the situation. But you know, in Hong Kong, it's it is actually quite difficult to find a, a good uh, uh, parking space for you know many coaches. So so uh, we're working out on that. Yeah. Are, are the people in the room the problem? Because I mean, I run a business association for the self storage industry. Our members are the ones who play by the rules, have all the best security services, and all this kind of thing. You know, but the problem are the guys that don't. <laughs> the, the ones that are not sitting in the rule, not sitting in the room when you're having those meetings, they don't follow the rules. They don't care. Um, is there any capability to police those guys that are maybe not, uh, you know, playing playing nice? Yes, I, w- I would say I would say uh, you know, like um, taking strict enforcement action would be uh, would be a good way to rectify the problem. But then, you know, in in terms of traffic, unless you have um, you know the police officers uh, standing by, uh, you know, twenty four seven. Otherwise, it would be quite difficult to, you know, to, to, to just keep at it. So we have to uh, come up with a mutual um, so, uh, beneficial uh, solution 
so that we could all uh, work this thing out together. Yeah. Uh, and other than the traffic situations, are there any other problems that you know that you're seeing? Uh, in terms of tour groups, I think um, as the regulator of um, licensed travel agents and tourist guide, uh, I would suggest um, you know the tour groups are relatively safe when visiting Hong Kong. You know, as, as they are well taken care of by uh, our travel agents and tourist guide. I mean, uh, for most part of the day, the tourists would be visiting places uh, we are familiar with. Um, and we will be, we, you know, we will step up our enforcement and strategic deployment at various uh, areas, uh, you know, such as uh, uh, border control points, uh, popular t- uh, tourist attractions, and registered shops. And so we will we will be there for, um, you know, to offer assistance where necessary. So on the positive note, um, I, I I would suggest they are all safe here. And you're, you're, you run an authority. Like, I run a business association. We, we invite members to join, and, you know, yep. everybody works together. But you're an authority, which, you know, sounds uh, – you're, you're a government body. Do you have powers of prosecution and enforcement that you can uh, slap people on the wrist or slap them around the head if, uh, if needs be? Yes. Yeah, so we have, um, you know, by, uh, by the virtue of the travel industry ordinance, we have the power to investigate, you know, cases where, you know – uh, we, if we want to determine whether a licensee is suitable to, to you know, to carry on being a licensee, mm-hmm. or if their actions or their conducts would, uh, you know, bring disrepute to the Hong Kong travel industry, and we have uh, also the disciplinary powers, um, you know, to to take away their license if need be. Uh, in terms of arrest and prosecution, we unfortunately we don't have that power, but we have. Uh, we have a very solid um, uh, working mechanism with the police and also the DOJ. So whenever, uh, if there's uh, any criminal conduct or either within or out with the travel industry ordinance, then we will work with the police and DOJ on that. You, you say, unfortunately, you sound like you might like to have uh, travel cops. Uh, well, not really. I think you know, travel, <laughs> the travel industry is a happy business. So uh, I, I believe for the most part, everybody is doing, you know, doing their job, uh, you know, making a good living and then also, you know, basically working uh, towards the benefit of uh, the Hong Kong economy as a whole. Mm. But then, you know, uh, there are certain um, um, uh, regulatory measures that must be in place to protect the consumer interest, so to speak. So I think I think the, the, the key thing is that, you know, uh, we only came into operation uh, uh, back in 2022, uh, September. So before that, there's, I mean, there, there, are, there were regulators as well, but then I, I think that the whole industry is not that used to being regulated, you know, um, by an authority. So, so now we are, you know, you know, we're taking steps towards uh, uh, having a mutual understanding and also, you know, have a, uh, a tight enforcement actions where where necessary. Yeah. And what if I'm some enterprising young guy and I want to organize all the aunties in my village in, in Guangdong to come down to Hong Kong for a day? Do I have to get a license for that, or is that? I mean, is that, that the kind of person you're going to want to give a slap yeah, on the a, wrist? Well, it's, a, it's a case-by-case situation. So if it is all your, you know, your family members, I mean, um, the, you know, the travel industry ordinance, they lay it out very uh, precisely uh, in, under Section 4. So if you are carrying on a, a travel agent business, then yes, you will have to get a license. But then if it is your family or friends visiting, uh, we would have to see if your enterprise, you know, if... if you know, conducting such travel agent business is your principal business uh, and, you know, uh, other certain factors as well. So we'll have to do it case by case um, uh, to see if um, 
uh, licenses required. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us today. That's Samuel Ung, the Director of Operations of the Travel Industry Authority, who do not currently have travel cops, but uh, they're keeping an eye out for the Hong Kong travel industry and keeping it clean. Thank you very much for joining us today, Samuel. All right, thank you, for, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, joining us today on the same topic is Dennis Wong, the project manager and hospitality expert with the VTC, the Vocational Training Council, training up all of our young tourism uh, industry workers. Good morning, Dennis. Hi, good morning. Dennis, um, you know, some time ago, all we used to hear about was a, was a huge shortage of people in the industry. It seems like tourist numbers are getting back up there. Are, mm-hmm. is, is Hong Kong ready to accommodate them? Do we have the properly trained people? Uh, I think not ready because uh, we need time to train our people. And uh, even they graduate, uh, they need time to nurture in the industry to gain enough experience in order to provide good service. Right. And so if we have a gap, okay, so just pure numbers. I mean, it, it's, you know, we can talk about quality after, but just in terms of pure numbers, um, <coughs> if we're short, how short are we? And in what industries in particular? I don't have a precise number, but uh, by um, from my experience, I, I would I would say that that is around 20 to 30 percent shortage of wow. uh, manpower. So uh, that means it will adversely affect um, impact on the on the surface of other staff, because even other staff are, are, are very experienced and they are able to provide good service, but because they are too busy, so their service will be affected as well. So 20 to 30 percent is that? Hundreds, yeah. thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands? Probably not hundreds of thousands, but how many well, people are we talking? He's talking about hundreds of thousands. Really? Yeah. That's quite a lot. And how many people would you train for the hospitality sector, broadly speaking, at the VTC every year? Uh, most of our students are from the high diploma. And then after, after they graduate, uh, they will also articulate to uh, degree programs. So altogether, every year, um, I would say there is a, around um, maybe... Uh, a thousand, a thousand graduates. So, so what's the reason, um, Dennis, in your view, for those low numbers? Uh, the low numbers, because they, they, uh, the youngsters, they, they don't see the prospects in Hong Kong in the future. Um, in, in the past years, in particular during the COVID, so uh, the, the tourism industry is hardly hit by uh, by, by, by the COVID and uh, the young people when they are studying secondary school they will, they will think um, uh, probably that there is no future for tourism in Hong Kong so um, but now it's picking up uh, so but we need to wait for them to uh, be trained up and to after they study for two or three years Gotcha and, and so and I mean so if you're training a thousand people a year, but how many people do we need trained at that level for the tourism industry? I mean, my daughter, you know, was in high school and she was working in uh, restaurants and I mean, she didn't have to go to the, she didn't have to get a full VTC diploma to, to be able to work as a waiter in a restaurant. Um, how many people do we need trained for higher level functioning? I mean, and, and uh, what would that be? Would that be like executive chefs? I mean, you probably don't need VTC training to be a waiter. I mean, what, what are you training people to do that we are lacking in right now? In all aspects, actually, um, in, in all the departments in hotels and uh, culinary the industry and also even in the tourism sector. Uh, so um, we, we, uh, we, we would say they, um, they all the, from my experience, I, um, I discussed with the industry uh, practitioners, they, almost every one of them, they are looking for new joiners 
to 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 join the industry. So all the operations there are lack of manpower, but um, uh, it's very difficult to 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 calculate a, a very um, uh, precise uh, figure. But I would say if we are talking about uh, there are. Uh, 10,000, uh, sorry, uh, 100,000 rooms, hotel rooms in Hong Kong. So if for, uh, we are talking about each room, we are short, short of, of uh, about 0.2 manpower. So you can calculate from that. Okay, well, that's why we get you on the show, because you're doing the calculation. <laughs> um, so, I mean, so, so if you're saying that people are, you know, young people didn't see the prospects. Maybe that'll change now. Where are the brightest prospects? If I don't go to university, where can I make the most money in the hospitality sector? Hospitality sector is primarily uh, based on uh, experience uh, before you can be promoted. Uh, so it's good to have a, a better education uh, in the university, but it doesn't mean that uh, that's enough. So after graduation from, let's, let's say, uh, from high diploma, uh, they need to um, uh, um, um, accumulate experience. And then together with um, uh, probably uh, they have that articulation to the degree programs uh, later on, so they, they can move up the ladder to management in, in the industry. So after that, they, they can go up and up. Uh, there are, there's been many successful cases. They, 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 they can work as the GM of the hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there are many opportunities there. And uh, we can see that the, the, the teenagers uh, they, they start to realize that uh, Hong Kong is still having a very good tourism industry, and the tourism industry is, um, is coming up again, uh, but not at the level as uh, like uh, five or six years before. How much do people earn now? If, I, if I'm straight out of high school, I am not interested in going to university. I, uh, if I go to work, you know, give, me, give me some options. I can work as a waiter. How much do waiters get paid in Hong Kong now? Uh, waiter... Wait, wait is only an example, but not many of our graduates they will work as a waiter. Actually, right. there are many, many other, many other choices. Um, waiter is it, now is around the fifteen. It depends on the, which setting. Sure. Uh, for those uh, waiter in hotels, uh, which uh, our graduates will always do, mm. uh, they would pay around sixteen thousand. Okay. To eighteen thousand per month. Okay, and how about a uh, entry level chef? Entry level chef will be uh, around fifteen thousand. Okay, sounds okay. So, th- so that gives us some idea. Now, those are entry level, and then presumably, if they've got some VTC training, but you're saying that's if you have VTC training and a certificate, you'll get paid those wages. Is that right? It'll be better. I I I, I couldn't say that uh, it, 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 it is exactly like this, but because they when when the company they they need manpower, sometimes they will relax their requirement. Got it. Okay. So we're just trying to get a sense here because if people are saying that young people don't see, you know, they're they're trying to get a sense of how much it's going to be worth to go into the sector. And I'm sure a lot of people who go to restaurants all the time have no idea how much the people they're dealing with are getting paid. And also, I suppose, um, the more education that's required, the more debt you're going to have. So Mm -hmm. it's got to be worth it at the end of the day for these young people. Yeah. It takes... Uh, longer time uh, for them to uh, to get reward actually in the hospitality sector uh, because uh, essentially we when we need to provide good service we need to manage the um, the whole department in, to provide good service uh, we need time to develop the experience. Do people typically take on debt to get a VTC degree? 
Sorry. Uh, do people sorry. take do, do students take on debt to be able to afford a VTC degree, or is it you know usually manageable? They don't they don't graduate with debt. No, no. We, we provide them with a lot of uh, subsidies and uh, scholarships. So uh, it seems that uh, they they're quite it's quite affordable for them to study. Okay, so so typically your typical student wouldn't graduate with a lot of debt they have to pay off, which you know. I don't think okay. so. It it really depends. As, uh, but uh, I. I they, they, they're very lucky nowadays uh, because we have lots of lots of uh, support for them if they have financial difficulties. Um, they some some of them they even don't have to pay a dollar. Okay, cool. Um, Dennis, stay with us. We're going to have a short break for the news yeah. and a couple of APIs as we do here on Back Chat Mid Show. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick hit on the weather. It's going to be cold. Well, I mean, by Hong Kong standards, I'm Canadian, not cold for me. Mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches, max temperature around 14 degrees. Looking at the weekend, still cold in the morning of uh, Lunar New Year's Day. Dry with sunny periods during the Lunar New Year holidays, which sounds very nice. Uh, currently, it is 12 degrees Celsius, 80% humidity. Here at Back Chat on RTHK Radio 3, I'm Andrew Work on today's show with Rainbow Lung, and we're talking tourism. And we'll be back right after the news at the half hour. It's 9.30 and now the news with Martin Holmes. The U.S. says it won't support any plans for an Israeli military operation in Gaza's southernmost city, Rafah, without proper planning. In a rare warning to Israel, both the White House and the State Department have made it clear that such an operation would be a catastrophe for the more than one million Palestinians who have fled there. Police have arrested three more people in connection with the unlicensed JPEX cryptocurrency platform, which is suspected of fraud. Seventy people have now been arrested in connection with the case. And police arrested three men in a Tokwa One parking lot yesterday, seizing four beef knives, fake license plates, hoods, gloves, masks and hats from a car. The men, aged between 26 and 33, were arrested on suspicion of possession of offensive weapons and false instruments. The news from RTHK. During events with a large crowd, always observe order and follow police instructions to stay safe. Before you set off, check on special traffic arrangements by browsing related online platforms. Also, Use public transport as far as possible. Look after your personal belongings too. Observe order and stay safe in crowded situations. Early stage colorectal cancer doesn't cause any symptoms. However, screening can achieve early detection. The Colorectal Cancer Screening Program subsidizes Hong Kong residents aged 50 to 75 who don't have symptoms to get screened. It can be free. Remember to get screened every two years after being tested. Visit colonscreen.gov.hk to learn more. Back on Back Chat with Andrew Work and Rainbow Lung, uh, speaking to Dennis Wong, project manager and hospitality expert at the VTC. We're talking tourism on account of uh, a lot of people expected to be coming to Hong Kong over Chinese New Year. And I imagine some people flowing out. Uh, Dennis, uh, at the VTC, you're training people in a ho for a hotel, working in hotels, uh, tourism, events. Uh, how about outbound Tourism. I mean, is there do, do people get trained to be travel agents at the VTC? Yeah. Or is uh, that we on do the have a program yeah. focused on uh, tourism operations and uh, such as uh, tour guiding, tour escorting, and also um, working as uh, travel agents. 
And and uh, travel agents in particular. I mean, okay, tour guide. I think I could do that. I don't think I need you know a year or two of training to be a tour guide. Tell me mm. I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, they uh, we provide them with some basics um, training, uh, some practical practical uh, training, and they got some exemptions in. Well, after they graduate, they can apply for uh, the tour guide pass uh, with some additional assessment. Okay. And, and how about outbound? I mean, how, do you have a sense? Are, are you tracking how many people are going to be leaving Hong Kong over Chinese New Year? We've, we've talked a lot about inbound, but how about people getting out of town? Uh, outbound travel? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there are many, many Hong Kongers, they, they like to travel outbound uh, during the holiday. In particular, um, uh, we're talking about the short trips to the nearby city, Shenzhen or Guangzhou or the other cities in Greater Bay Area. So I would expect that there's a big number, a big number of the outbound travelers during the period. And these are Hong Kong's competitors, of course. So do you think that in Hong Kong we're doing enough to bring tourism in? Um, you mean Hong Kong? How uh, Are we attracting good numbers of uh, travelers to come to Hong Kong? Yes, because that's going to have an impact on what your council, your vocational training council does as well. So do you think Hong Kong in general is doing enough? Uh, well, we've, we, uh, we've been doing a lot, um, but it's never enough uh, because uh, we are still facing a lot of competition. Um, so uh, as long as we have the, the time, we have the resources, uh, it's better to, to do more and to diversify our promotion. I mean, the reason I say this is, you know, some of our listeners will be thinking Hong Kong is on its way down. It's no longer a unique place. It's lost its charm. It's changed. So, 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 so what do you say to that and what, what, can, we, what can we do? Well, that, there is a trend like this, but if we say that we are on an absolute down trend, I, I, I think it's, it's a bit uh, exaggerated. Mm. And actually, we are trying to, um, uh, in terms of number, in terms of uh, tourist number, Hong Kong is still at the high level uh, at the international stage. Uh, but uh, before, we are, we are doing so well. And now, we are, we are seen quite stagnant, and um, the number is going down. Uh, but we are, we are uh, catching up quite well. This year is getting about uh, half uh, of the uh, uh, inbound number uh, as the, the highest level in back in uh, uh, 2016 uh, or 17, mm. which is around 32,000 or 34, 30, 34 million. Uh, 34 million per year in 2023. Um, Hong Kong, I, I think this is a time of um, turning to a uh, different um, type of destination. Before, we are primarily uh, relying on retail, relying on our uh, classical attractions, uh, like the peak, the Victoria Harbour, and now we, we need more. We need to diversify our offerings. In particular, uh, I can see that uh, the government and the Hong Tourism Board and uh, other organizations in Hong Kong, they are, they are trying to uh, revitalize uh, Hong Kong's tourism by providing more large-scale events or international conference. And these are with, with very important because we need more um, high-value tourists, which is uh, very important uh, for Hong Kong uh, to 
to to stay away from the competition of the nearby cities and even nearby um, uh, Southeast Asia and other Chinese cities. Mm. Hong Kong has its own strength in terms of uh, holding uh, big events and also some uh, uh, international conferences uh, for some uh, professional organizations worldwide. Yeah, I'm going to be hosting the Self Storage Expo Asia in Hong Kong in May. We move it around every year, but we decided this was the year to come to Hong Kong. Not not the biggest event in Hong Kong, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's only going to be it's only gonna be about 250 people, but still pretty good. Um, we've got an email from Ilner, who's a regular writer. Ilner, uh, Ilner maybe you could put the full version on our Facebook page because it's a bit of a long one. He, uh, Ilner, uh, I'm going to do a little editorial editing here. Uh, he went to check out uh, the new attraction at Disneyland, World of Frozen. And despite visiting the park two to three times a year, Ilner was pleasantly surprised to see so many people on a weekday. Everywhere I looked, there were queues upon queues with waiting times exceeding 40 minutes for each ride. However, it was still worth it, especially considering the weather, et cetera, et cetera. He goes on to do a little bit of racial profiling of the guests and says he thinks they were mostly mainland and Asian visitors, uh, not many from Western countries. And uh, he was pleased to see that Hong Kong Disneyland is back in business and operating as usual. But today, he's going to Macau. So thank you, Wilner, for uh, writing in, as you often do. Um, so Macau, I mean, we haven't even, I, I can't believe we're talking all this, all this uh, tourist talk and nobody's even mentioned Macau. Um, I have to admit, I haven't been. Since COVID finished, I haven't had any great pull to do so. I have one friend who went over there for a weekend. But um, is Macau back on the map? I mean, it just seems to be quite quiet compared yeah. to pre, pre-COVID times. You know, it seemed like people were going there all the time. And now it's like, meh. The, the tourist attractions offered by Macau is, is less diversified. It's mainly on the casinos and some other heritage so if you have been there once, uh, then there might might not be other reasons for you to have been there too, uh, the second time. Um, so Macau has, has its own problem. Uh, but in terms of the hotels, the big scale hotels and uh, and the ability to hosting big performances, uh, they this is their strength. Mm. So for Hong Kong, we we need to partner up with Macau as a whole mega destination, so that. Something that Macau is unique uh, has the advantage, and Hong Kong has other diversity. So as a whole, it will be more attractive than standalone. Yeah, Dennis, I absolutely agree. And you, you made comments earlier on that Hong Kong is going through some structural changes. It's got a, you know, a, you know, it needs to bring in more high value events. However, Dennis, mm. I am seeing that Hong Kong is having less, for example, concerts. I'm not seeing you know, many headline acts coming to Hong Kong. Or, or Macau, for that matter. I mean, Taylor Swift seemed to go everywhere in Asia. She went to Kaohsiung in Taiwan, for the love of God. But, you know, somehow gave Macau a miss. I mean, uh, what's, yeah, are we, are we missing out? It's not only us, but Macau is the whole, the whole concept of, of uh, the region missing out? Some of the organizers of the big events and uh, international conference, they're, they're just moving around. Uh, they haven't tried other cities, and other cities are offering some, some privilege for them, uh, some benefits for them uh, for the first time. And, uh, but they, they're quite jumpy. Some of them will, will jump around in different cities to get all the benefits. And then if, after the comparison, after a few years, they, they would think that, oh, maybe Hong Kong is better, so they will stay. Um, so it is, it is a time of um, um, 
fluctuation, I would say, after the COVID. So we need some, a few years uh, to stabilize uh, the, the market so that um, the advantage of Hong Kong and the advantage of other places will, 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 will be uh, seen easily. Mm. Uh, just a reminder to uh, people listening, you can also call in at 233-88266 if you want to put a question to Dennis, uh, get a little tourism talk in of your own. Um, so, so, Dennis, what's next for the VTC? I mean, in terms of adjusting uh, kind of in the post-COVID area, has, has the VTC changed its programs? Is it offering anything new or is it taking any different strategic directions in terms of how it trains people for the future of tourism in Hong Kong? Yes, we, we change a lot. Uh, we, we need to keep um, updated, uh, keep our programs updated uh, uh, because we, we we must align with what the industry needs so that our graduates and when they are when they graduate they are work ready. So this is our aim uh, for every program. Um, uh, but in terms of the content, uh, the direct direction, we are trying to uh, instill more uh, technology. Uh, the training in terms of technology in in our training, so that uh, because this is what the industry is happening, uh, like in hotels, they're, they're using more um, uh, IoT and all more uh, the robots in in providing service and, and also the restaurants. So these are uh, we we will we will we'll train them up with some basics about this, so that they know how to um, manage. And also, they will know what to use uh, to provide good service uh, at the time when there is a serious shortage of manpower. Um, in terms of knowledge, we're trying to uh, uh, um, make sure that they, they have a good international sense, uh, because Hong Kong is uh, com- competing with other destinations uh, on the international uh, platform. So we cannot uh, just stay as a regional eyesight, we have to, to look uh, at inbound, outbound visitors, that we need to know them well, we need to um, uh, know what is the cultural um, background of our customers so that uh, we'll be able to provide service to international travelers better. Not only not only for mainlanders, but we need to know uh, people from other long-haul um, uh, origins. And you're saying IoT is kind of a, a big thing now. What about, uh, I, mean, I mean, how about things like robotics? I mean, yeah, I've, I've been in hotels in the mainland where, uh, you know, you've got robots wheeling meals up to people's rooms and stuff like that. Is that mm-hmm. just a gimmick or is that actually taking off? Uh, sorry, I... I Ro- robotics. Are you using robotics? Yeah. Are you training people on using robotics in tourism? Or is that, or like I said, is that just a gimmick that we're seeing in some places? Yeah, we... We will train them, but um, it's not a very important part, I would say, uh, because hospitality industry, uh, tourism industry, we need people. We need to provide them with uh, warmth. Uh, not only the ro- robotics can replace, mm. um, but we, they need to know, I would say, is a need-to-know uh, level. Okay. Yep. And, and Dennis, um, for our young listeners out there, what would you say to them to encourage them to that there is a future in tourism in Hong Kong? Uh, Hong Kong has uh, is still a very robust city, uh, although we rely on um, the mainland tourists a lot, but we still have the the strength to attract international visitors. It's a good place to develop. Um, a lifelong career in hospitality. Um, 
So uh, it's a time of change. If you join the industry these days, it, it will provide you with a lot of opportunities to move up. Yeah, especially if there's been like not enough people going into it, that means there's going to be yeah. gaps, gaps yeah. ahead of you that you can uh, accelerate your career a little bit. That's a <laughs> strong note to finish on from Dennis Wong, project manager and hospitality expert at the Vocational Training Council. Thank you very much for Thank joining you. us today. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we're continuing back time. We just want to remind you, you can give us a call. What's that number? Here it comes. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. There we go. The number promised and delivered. Uh, we're continuing the talk today. We're talking about public hospitals. And there's expected to be, there, there's apparently, so I'm told, uh, traditionally a demand in hospital usage, people showing up in emergency rooms over the holidays. Uh, and this year, the hospital authority knows it, and they're getting ready for it. To talk about it today, we welcome Tim Pang, who's a regular on the show and a community organizer with SOCO, the Society for Community Organization. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining us today. Hi, uh, good morning. Good thanks mo- for your invitation. Yeah, great, great to have you on. Um, so what is going down? I mean, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever used the hospitals over a... A holiday period. I'm just trying to think. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. But I wasn't aware of the surge. But apparently, it's a thing. Um, how do you guys experience this? Because you're you're out there helping people in the community. Um, mm. What's the deal? What's 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 this? What's this problem that the HA is trying to solve? Well, um, every year in the winter, from maybe um, November to uh, February uh, of the next year, uh, there there is a, a winter surge, which is caused by usually a seasonal flu and also, um, uh, you know, uh, COVID and in recent years. So that makes, um, uh, during that uh, period of time, uh, many people will get sick and they have to go to uh, seek uh, medical help, maybe uh, through um, private doctors or uh, to A&E and also some um, um, the general operation clinics uh, sort um, of uh, GOPC uh, that is sought for. Um, but uh, during the uh, Chinese New Year, um, quite a long uh, uh, holidays. Uh, uh, I mean, um, a lot of um, private doctors they will uh, close their clinics. So um, uh, people have, if they are they are sick, they have to go to uh, A and E uh, instead of going to the uh, private sector. So that will cause a burden um, in the uh, A and E. So um, uh, we we heard that uh, the secretary for uh, health bureau and uh, also the chief executive of. Uh, hospital authority uh, um, uh, stood up uh, a, a days before to talk about uh, a new measure in uh, A&E that is uh, trying to solve uh, or to divert people uh, from being waiting in uh, A&E that they can get a refund and go uh, elsewhere uh, to seek the medical health. Uh, besides that, um, the uh, HA also uh, increased the uh, quota for uh, GOPC uh, by 25%. From um, a, a total of eight uh, thousand uh, quotas that um, help to uh, divert people from uh, going to A and E instead uh, going to uh, GOPC and also. Sorry, some, can you tell uh, us what is GOP or GOPC? What is that? Oh, uh, that is a, a general outpatient clinic. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And also a, a Chinese medicine uh, uh, clinics, uh, uh, which also helps to. Uh, divert people um, from uh, A&E to go there. Um, so um, 
it hopes that um, all these measures can help um, minimize the burden in AD uh, and also uh, help uh, to sh- uh, shorten the waiting time um, in AD, especially uh, saving for those who are in urgent needs. Uh, yeah, how bad is the problem? How long are people waiting? Well, uh, from uh, if um, uh, in A&E they they categorize in the five uh, categories uh, from uh, very uh, critical to uh, to uh, non-urgent. Uh, there is uh, five categories. Uh, for the first three categories, um, of course, uh, if um, uh, there is uh, a traffic accident, uh, people are very critical that uh, they will get um, a doctor's help um, uh, immediately. But for uh, uh, second to third category, they maybe have to wait for uh, one to two hours. But for uh, those uh, category four and five, um, they have to wait for uh, maybe um, t- uh, eight or ten hours um, uh, uh, in the uh, uh, usual time. But uh, during the long holiday, especially in Chinese New Year, uh, they have to wait up to maybe um, um, over uh, uh, 24 hours. Or even uh, we wow. heard uh, the longest time is uh, one to two days. They're still uh, waiting in A and E or waiting uh, to go up to, to the wards. Um, That's uh, still Or I mean, if you're there for two days waiting, should you get the message that probably your problem is not that serious? Like the doctors will look at you and they're like, "Don't waste my time." <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, yes. Um, there's uh, some of the problem is that. Um, uh, some is waiting for A and E for maybe um, they think uh, they are uh, very ill or very uh, discomfort and go to A and E and wait for um, doctor's uh, consultation. But uh, instead, after triage, um, it is not that uh, serious. So uh, they can wait and they wait for uh, usually uh, eight to ten hours is um, still okay. They can wait that. But uh, during Chinese New Year, um, when a lot of people are waiting in A and E. Especially, there they have uh, no other ways to go uh, to uh, go to private. Um, the number uh, of people waiting in near year is uh, much more larger than uh, usual time. So they uh, maybe have, they have to wait uh, longer. Um, some they have uh, uh, consulted by uh, uh, doctor, and they're still waiting in near year. Um, so that's um, another waiting time uh, uh, in near Mm. I think perhaps the reason why people doggedly wait in the hospital is they pay a fee upon entry. Ben, and mm. um, you mentioned him uh, something about a uh, an arrangement, uh, a refund arrangement. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Oh yeah. Um, now the uh, uh, procedure of um, uh, getting into A and E is that uh, people get uh, in A and E, they have to register and then uh, pay the fee first. And then they, they will go uh, to a triage and um, decide uh, which category they are, they are in. And then they, they will wait for public um, uh, consultation. Um, but um, uh, in this practice, uh, people, when they have uh, registered and pay for the fee, uh, if uh, they know that uh, they are in category four or five, they have to wait for uh, maybe up to 10 hours. Um, they have to, to wait because they have paid fee. So um, uh, it makes them a, a very um, mixed feeling that uh, whether they have to wait, uh, uh, keep waiting, or they uh, want to go out uh, to seek other medical help, but uh, they have paid a fee. So uh, some of them may think that, well, I've paid, and then I, I will choose to uh, keep waiting. How much is so the, the fee? New, 
is uh, $180. $180, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so the new new measure is that um, after registration, uh, within uh, 24 hours of waiting, if they are uh, still not uh, get uh, the consultation, uh, they can apply for a refund and then uh, leave the uh, A&E and get a refund within a month. So um, uh, with this new measure, uh, the HA uh, expect that uh, some people, they will uh, choose uh, not waiting and then go uh, to other medical institutions like the GOPC or try to uh, find a, a private doctors. Right. And, and the government will transfer the money directly to the provider. Is that correct? Uh, yes, yes. But um, the... I uh, haven't uh, talked about the uh, details arrangement, whether it will through uh, electronic payment or through uh, or what means. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, they will get the, uh, the refund back uh, within a month. And is that arrangement uh, going forward or is that just temporary over the Chinese New Year holidays? Yes, yes, uh, just a temporary arrangement and um, a trial uh, for such um, uh, practice. And do you think if this trial, so if they're doing this uh, for the first time, do you think this trial could be expanded into other holiday periods or could become a repeat factor of load management in the hospitals? Well, I, I expect um, uh, so because uh, as said, um, some people, um, they want to go, um, they want to leave, but uh, they uh, have paid the, uh, the, the payment. So if um, the measures uh Will keep uh, normalized. Uh, um, that they will uh, in in uh, other times maybe uh, people can uh, choose leave the uh, leaving age A, uh, A and E and uh, stop uh, waiting. Uh, that will minimize the um, burden of uh, A and E. So um, I expect uh, after this trial maybe uh, HA will uh, normalize this uh, measure um, so that uh, in other times uh, people can choose. Uh, getting a refund and then uh, leave um, the A&E. But during the Chinese New, New Year, I think um, uh, even they, uh, the people get uh, the refund, uh, maybe they're difficult to get uh, a private doctor to, to consult because uh, a lot of um, uh, clinics will be closed uh, during uh, the Chinese New Year. Sure. So, uh, yeah, um, even uh, there's a refund arrangement. Um, how many people will did? Uh, 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 do to uh, apply for the refund. It is uh, still a doubt. Yeah, they're going to have to find a place that will take them. And uh, you would, you would think, I would think that if I was running a clinic, I'd be like, listen, you come over Chinese New Year, you got to pay double because, uh, you yeah. know, because the doctors don't want to get in. They want to be out doing Chinese New Year stuff with their families. Um, but the yeah. government, of course, is is capping this subsidy at 180 bucks, right? So I mean, if you're running a clinic, there's not a huge amount of incentive to take on these patients, is there? Um. Yes, yes, and um, uh, as you said, uh, some uh, officials also also said that um, because um, $180 is a quite um, attractive uh, a price for a medical consultation, um, not only seeing a doctor but also uh, doing a, a complete set of uh, investigation like um, taking X-ray or taking a blood test. Um, so uh, it will make people uh, instead of going to a private pay. To pay um, a high price, uh, they will go to uh, A&E uh, for uh, such a complete uh, set of investigation and all the uh, treatment. Um, I think, well, it is um, fair to say that, but it also reflects the, the affordability of the grassroots because they are not affordable to, to pay uh, the private sector of such a um, uh, 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 large payment um, to treat that, uh, a new illness or uh, discomfort. 
um, and also it also reflects uh, the lack of development of um, primary health care because um, people uh, don't know where to go uh, to treat their illness uh, in um, um, primary health care uh, level. So um, uh, in order to, tr- um, to handle the uh, burden of A&E, instead of a um, financial arrangement, um, the government should also develop uh, affordable uh, primary health care uh, service uh, so that uh, people, instead of going to A&E, they will uh, know um, where to go to to get uh, the, um, uh, some basic uh, investigation of their um, uh, disease uh, situation. Mm. So ideally, they'll they'll clear the middle and upper class people out of the hospital waiting rooms because they'll be like, oh, I'm not waiting. I'm, I'm willing to pay the money to get out of the line. And that yeah, theoretically, yeah. that should that should clear the line for lower income people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all uh, it's, it is also a triage uh, so that um, uh, affordable people, they will get uh, the, the treatment in um, um, private uh, and leaving some uh, quotas uh, for the uh, grassroots. But also, uh, if people are in critical situation, uh, there's no doubt that uh, the private, uh, the, the, the public uh, hospital, the A and E, uh, is their destination to go to uh, because um, the uh, policy aim of um, public uh, hospitals is to uh, uh, treat the uh, critical uh, illness and also uh, help um, those who lack a medical, uh, financial means uh, to meet their health care needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, I, I'm quite interested in it, and this is quite for, purely for selfish reasons. But if I am sick over the Chinese New Year holidays, um, and I wanna, and I don't want to wait ten hours um, at the hospital, uh, where can I find, you know, private practice clinics, outpatient clinics that are that are open over Chinese New Year? Does it does is it, are, are there any resources that I can turn to to quickly oh, yes. find out? Um, uh, the government said that uh, they have developed. Uh, uh, geographical information um, uh, or through the mobile phone so that uh, uh, people can locate uh, nearby um, private clinics uh, that is still uh, open in Chinese New Year. There is a, an, an app that people can uh, uh, try to locate uh, some private clinic. Um, uh, in fact, we, we did try to um, uh, check uh, 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 those are uh, private clinics, um, but uh, not many uh, uh, are available, uh, especially during the, the first or second uh, day of Chinese New Year. Uh, um, after the the uh, holiday, uh, maybe there, there's more. Um, in uh, according to government, uh, there are over a hundred of uh, clinics uh, that will uh, be open uh, during the Chinese New Year, but. Uh, not so many uh, during the first and second day of Chinese New Year. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's uh, you know good advice for people to take on board about where they can get treatment. Thank you very much for joining us today. That's Tim Pang. He's a community organizer with the Society for Community Organization, better known as SoCo by short. Uh, we're off for Monday, Tuesday on Backchat, but we're going to be back on Wednesday with Jim Gould and Car Ha. Thank you for joining me today, Rainbow. Always a pleasure. And Thank you. You betcha. And also our producer, Raphael Blett, and audio engineer today is Tsang Wing Ming. This has been Back Chat. Have a great Chinese New Year. Donghei Fa Choi.